We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The following is a special KMOX sports presentation. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar, your source for electrical and data communication products for more than 150 years. Now, the Strike Zone on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, jumping right in here on the Strike Zone, and I want to get into Building the Future, sponsored by Graybar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis. It's a great place to work. Again, many thanks to Graybar for sponsoring Building the Future. And this whole segment is going to be about building the future, but not the future of any particular team. Um, but b- building the futures of young pitchers, because I- I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox today based on something that I saw on Twitter as a reaction to the Clayton Kershaw news. And I thought it was really interesting. And I think, I, I don't think the connection that's made here is actually going to be made, but I want to help try to make it. Anyway, so Tom House, if, if you know the name Tom House, you know that what Tom is, is somebody that that helps train elite throwers, okay? So he coaches, he's, he's trained pitchers, he trains quarterbacks, um, you know, he, he is a guy that really specializes in throwing mechanics, making the parts of the body work correctly to generate force, to generate velocity, and obviously, Tom is a former pitcher himself. And he's pretty good at what he does. But he had an interesting observation today. And I don't know, again, I don't know that this lesson should be forced at the big league level. I don't know that this lesson will be received. Because I think a lot of people involved in the group that I'm going to talk about either don't care or don't know to even listen to these types of things. But I'm going to point it out anyway. So Tom House tweeted, as a reaction to Clayton Kershaw being pulled from a perfect game after seven innings and 80 pitches, he said, Clayton Kershaw getting pulled from a perfect game through seven innings is ultimately good for the game of youth baseball. Note the distinction. <laughs> and not, I, I would agree with him in that I don't think that it's a good thing for Major League Baseball that, pl- that players are being taken out of no-hitters and perfect games with reasonable pitch counts. I do understand that a player's long-term health and long-term career are more important than any one game, but your sport is about entertainment, and you need to provide events. And one of the things that baseball, I think, lacks in terms of this type of thing compared to other sports is the must-see value 
of certain players, teams, and elements. So that said, his point here is about youth baseball. And he just and he followed that sentence that I just read with how many youth coaches and families just saw a big league team put a pitcher's health, arm care, and pitch count above all else. And he finished with, I think it's a good thing. Now here's the problem. I'm going to add that my thoughts are similar to his, but different in that I think it should be a good thing, but I don't think it will be. So this is where I get on my soapbox. Because this is a world that I that I live in every year. Obviously, I've been doing private lessons, coaching players, coaching teams. I've been doing this stuff for more than 20 years. I've been doing it in St. Louis now for 15 years, going on 16 years. And I've been coaching a team. I coach 14-year-olds. I've been doing that. This is my ninth year in a row coaching 14-year-olds. So I've seen a lot of games. I mean, we're talking hundreds of games that my teams have participated in and hundreds more that I'm observing while I'm waiting for my team to play. So, I mean, I'm probably looking at over these nine years, I'm probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 700, 800, 900 games that I've seen either all of or parts of during that time. And it might be more than that. It's a lot. And what I've seen and what I what I've seen is well it's it's kind of I mean it's 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 disturbing to be honest with you. I see every weekend 14-year-old pitchers routinely throwing more than 100 pitches without any regard from the, I mean I've I I mean I'm, I'm not even making this up. I have watched a coach, quote-unquote, coaching his pitcher by telling him, you got to gut through it, while his kid is throwing pitch number 125 at 14. And here's the worst part about it. Because of the way that the, 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 the youth baseball world is generally structured, Everything is tournaments, right? And again, I understand it. It's somewhat convenient. You want to get a bunch of games in. But keep in mind that that kid that's throwing 100 pitches or 110 pitches or 120 pitches is probably also playing shortstop the next game or center field or third base. In some cases, I've seen a kid throw 100 pitches in six innings and then go catch the seventh inning. And the problem here is, like, I wish people, I wish people would, would, would take this example from the major leagues and say, God, you know what? These teams are this careful with grown men, grown ass men who've been doing this their entire lives, who are at the peak of their performance levels. They are in peak physical condition. They are prime aged, grown ass men. And they won't let grown men do this. But we have youth coaches of all age levels. Again, my experience is at the 14U level. But I know it's happening at 12. I know it's happening at 13. I know it's happening at younger ages. And there is just no excuse for it. There are all kinds of guidelines out there. 
that tell you how to do it in a smart way. Dr. James Andrews is one of the foremost experts in arm health for pitchers on the planet, if not the guy. If he's not the guy, he's in the top two. He's got a whole chart spread out there that'll tell you by age how many pitches you should let your kids go based on how old they are. And again, there's some variation. There's room for wiggle depending on, you know, like, for example, I coach 14-year-olds. You know, some 14-year-olds are physically 16. They're big. They're strong. They have facial hair, right? And some of them are, are not. Some of them are more like 12 or 13, like physically. Now, chronologically, you're 14, but physically, you can be all over the board. So if you're going to give a little more wiggle room to the kid that's bigger and stronger, okay, that's, that's understandable. But then you should be giving a little less to the kid that's not. But the point is this information's out there. I mean, Dr. James Andrews has gone into this in quite a good amount of detail over the years. There are simple charts that will tell you. And look, here you want to go the simple rule? Five times your age, plus or minus 10. So if you're 14, your guidepost should be around 70 pitches. And again, you can add or subtract based on heavy innings versus lighter innings. So for example, if a kid throws 50 pitches in two innings, you should probably take them out. That's a heavy workload. If they've thrown 70 through six innings and you want to give them another inning, all right, you can do that. Because the heavy workload innings are the dangerous ones. And and Oliver Marble just talked about that. Actually, no, he didn't. It was John Mosellock. John Mosellock joined us on opening day at Kegs and Eggs. And that was one of the things he talked about with Jordan Hicks. One of the things they're going to be watching very closely are those heavy workload innings. Because those are the dangerous ones. Those are the ones that are going to tax your body more. When you're getting into that 30 pitch range at 25, 26, 28, 30, 31, 32. You're getting into that range where you're working hard. And in in the in the information age, in the internet age, there is no excuse if you're a high school coach or a youth coach to not know these things and to not have the sense to implement them. And then also, by the way, to not have the sense to know that you shouldn't let a kid throw 90 to 100 pitches and then put him at shortstop after that or the next game or whatever. And if your excuse is, well, I only have 10 players, then add two players to your roster. But then somebody has to sit. Good. Sitting is good for players. They need rest. They also need to learn things about the game that you don't learn when you're standing at a position. But most importantly... You know, I think that major league teams are overly cautious with grown men. I think the pitch count numbers they use are arbitrary. Because think about it, what I'm talking about here, using Dr. James Andrews' chart, five times your age, plus or minus 10. That means an 18-year-old is already able to throw 90 without too much concern about workload, right? I mean, that's, that's Dr. James Andrews. So maybe even up to 100. Well, if, a, if an 18-year-old can do that, if a high school senior can do that, why can't Justin Verlander, why can't a 24-year-old guy who's been in the minor leagues for a couple of years? I, it, it, 
I think they've become overly cautious. And I think on the other end of the spectrum in youth baseball, we're not cautious enough. We're not smart enough. We don't err on the side of not getting people hurt or doing damage. Because you know what your kids are going to say. The kids are going to say, I'm fine. Because kids like to compete. I can't even tell you how many times as a kid that I was hurt and I never told anybody. Because I didn't want to. I wanted to play. But that doesn't mean I was right. So unfortunately, I don't think Tom House is going to get what he was hoping for there. But I do think that if more people actually talk about it and spread the word, you know, I love too. you got all these tournament organizers. They're going to put out pitch count guidelines, but they're just guidelines. We're not going to enforce it. Well, then what good is it? If you're going to put it out there, then, then freaking enforce it. But again, I, I do think that the opposite side of this is also true, that in the professional ranks, we've gone a little too far on that stuff. And although, by the way, it's not stopping injuries. Well, it's probably not stopping injuries because of all those other coaches at other levels wearing those kids out. You know, I mean, some of the craziest things I've ever seen are, and by the way, I'm not going to take colleges out of the mix here either. There are college coaches that flat out abuse their pitchers. So got all that going for us, which is nice. All right. I want to get into this Mike Schilt thing. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it last night, uh, but there was a pretty serious accusation made against him by the first base coach of the Giants. So Schilt is coaching third for the Padres right now. Those two teams played. There was a little tension in the game last night. We'll set that up for you and tell you about what what the allegation was and then what the result of it is today and how, like, none of this is good. Get to that next on KMOX. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. All right, so let's get into this Mike Schilt thing. And, and it really is not a Mike Schilt thing. This is a bigger thing. But obviously it involved Mike Schilt in last night's Padres-Giants game, which was a little testy. In fact, I, there's more of this that I want to get into that's separate from this issue because we had some more about unwritten rules in that game last night, which I find interesting. You know, the rules where you don't bunt or you don't steal bases when you're up, uh, uh, you know, I guess. I don't, I don't know what the exact number is, but I guess when you're when you're leading by too much, you should stop doing those things. And by the way, I also I, I agree with that at some levels of the sport. Like when you have a team that's clearly a mismatch physically, like, you know, again, in youth sports, like I'm talking about, you know, there are times you run into teams where you're just too good for them or they're just too good for you either way. And I do think that there should be some decorum there. But look, it's the major leagues, man. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But if you can't stop a guy from stealing a bag in the big leagues, well, that's on you, man. We'll get to that in a minute. But the, the the thing here is that there was a little there was tension between the benches. And Mike Schilt and the first base coach for the Giants, Anton Richardson, got into a verbal exchange. Now, as a part of that exchange, it seems like Schilt was yelling at Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Giants, saying, You need to control that MFR. And that Really got to Richardson. He got he Richardson was ejected, by the way, not for anything he said, but because he kept coming to the top step of the dugout while he was arguing and the umpires tossed him, which was really dumb. Really, really dumb. The umpires should not have tossed him. And by the way, I think Mike Schilt is in the wrong here, yelling at another at it at the other bench. I don't I don't think you're I don't think that's okay. You're the third base coach for the Padres. If you want their manager to do something, go to your manager. And have him have that conversation with the other guy. Yelling into someone else's dugout like that is not a good thing. I think that's crossing a line. But after the game, Richardson called um, the the reporters that were there to come down to the to the clubhouse. He wanted to tell them his side of this story of being ejected and everything. And he used the term... <laughs> He said that Mike Schilt's words, quote, reeked undertones of racism. That telling the bench or telling the manager that he needed to uh, control that blankety blank to him felt like it had racist undertones. And then that was the story all night and into this morning. It was everywhere. Headlines like if you if you looked at it on the trending thing, there was a trending there were there was a trend on Twitter, Schilt racist. Which is a significant problem because number one, nothing that he said was racist. Now, I understand what Richardson's point is in the larger scheme of things. I understand that in his life experience, 
He may have faced discrimination where people talk to him in that way for those reasons. So I'm not saying that him having a negative reaction to that is inherently wrong. What I'm saying is that immediately going to the public with that, rather than addressing it with Schilt man-to-man first, which they did today, by the way, and totally cleared the air. And I'll tell you what they had to say today as a part of that. But the problem here is that the headline for 12 hours was that Schilt's comments, quote, reeked undertones of racism. That's the headline. And that's not fair to Mike Schilt because, first of all, nothing he said was related to race. I do understand, like, again, I understand Richardson's point here that, you know, talking to a man of color in that way, saying someone else needs to, quote, unquote, control him, I can get the emotional impact that would have on someone. But you're in a professional setting where all of you have the opportunity to talk before and after games. And this wasn't an instantaneous blow-up where he lost his cool. This was well after the game that he called people down to tell them this part of the story. So then the story became, well, Schilt said something that Richardson thought was racist. And that's such a... That's such a difficult thing. Like it's almost, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's really hard to put that genie back in the bottle. It's really hard to undo that because people have now seen the headline. People have now maybe just read a tweet. And are they even seeing the second story, which came out today? The two of them met before today's game and they buried the hatchet. They talked. Each guy understands each other. Mike Schilt apologized for, uh, and I'm going to read this from the story because I want to get this the right way. But Schilt apologized for basically the way that he went about it, for the language that he chose to use. And Richardson had his own statement. So let me read to you what, what Richardson had to say about this and uh, I'm, I found this, by the way, this is on The Athletic, but it's everywhere. I mean, it's been reported everywhere out of out of San Francisco. But what, what Richardson said was, this is his quote today. He said, I think this is more something we both want to use as an opportunity to bring awareness to. Sometimes words that are harmless are very insensitive to others. And it's really, it's just really important that we are conscious of the things that we're saying. And then he went on to say, and once again, Shilty has been a big supporter of the black community, and I appreciate him taking ownership and understanding of the impact of his words, and we can move on from this and play baseball. That's a, it's a perfectly good response. I, I, don't, I don't see any flaw in there at all. But you should have had that conversation with the man before you went public and trashed him. This conversation should have happened after last night's game. Before somebody had to have their name attached to the term racist in headlines all over the country. So again, I think these are all valid concerns. If, if, if I were in Richardson's shoes, I might perceive it that way too. I don't know. I've never been in his shoes. And I think it's important to understand that we, when we aren't in someone's shoes, when we haven't lived their experiences, we don't know how we would react under the same circumstances. And I think that's an important thing to acknowledge in this. 
But there has to be a step between that feeling and blowing someone up publicly. And that step would be this very conversation happening before you blow them up. You know, I think that it, it this is this would be a really good story if it was done a little bit differently. If if we found out about this back and forth and that Richardson really took offense to that, and then they had a conversation after the game and sorted it out, and Schilt apologized for what he said or how he said it, whatever, and Richardson said, listen, I just needed you to hear this because you don't always know what your words mean to other people and how you say things can what it can mean and you can learn from that i mean that's a, that's a good it's a good thing but see in between those two things is a guy having his name attached to the word racist trending all over twitter so now here's what schilt had to say about it he said that his words were clearly misinterpreted that was those were his words And then he went on to explain a little more. He said, I appreciate him clearing that up for myself and my family because it's really important that 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 is clear. He said, I don't know Antone's heritage. I can't walk in his shoes. I can only have empathy and love, which I do have, and I've always had in my life. I used inappropriate language, which is my biggest issue last night, and I apologize for that. And I'm sensitive to Antone's rightful understanding of our experiences of what he feels is oppression that takes place in this world, and unfortunately, there's still an undercurrent to that. It's real to people. But also, by no way, shape, or form, was that in the context of what we discussed and what we were, what was said last night. And again, I think there's a valuable conversation being had here. This is important for everybody to have a better understanding of each other. But we need to go directly from the offense to the conversation as opposed to going directly from the offense to an impromptu press conference. That would be more productive. So now we had the conversation. These two guys are on good terms. Yet there are people all over the country that never saw this second story. They only saw the sexy headline. They only saw the trend last night. And that's where, by the way, not only does Schilt have a lesson to learn here, and I think he, he, I mean, he seems to be saying the right things, you don't understand how people are always going to take what you have to say, and you do need to consider that. But at the same time, I hope Richardson learned the lesson here too, that it's important to have the conversation with someone who is a professional peer when it's in doubt, like this is not a case of somebody using the N-word. You use that, there's no misinterpretation. You use that in anger in that way, I mean. Well, I mean, use that anyway. You're probably, you're probably going to get yourself in trouble. But if that was the case or if it was something similar, I don't think you got to go through that conversation. I think you could go straight to the go straight to go, go straight to the press and you can talk about that. But when it's any potential misunderstanding, have the conversation first. Don't have the confrontation and then a press conference and then the conversation. Do the press part after the fact. All right, let's change gears because this all came about, by the way, because of the unwritten rules of baseball. 
And I want to touch on that briefly um, because I, I think it, you know, it comes up every year. At some point, maybe somebody should write these down. But I also wonder how much these things really need to apply or whether or not maybe you agree with the Padres being upset with the Giants stealing a bag or putting down a bunt when they were up 9-1. to one. We'll get into that next up on KMLX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, so let's get into another part of this whole Giants-Padres thing. A lot of this, the root of this, of this frustration and anger that wound up leading to the stuff we talked about last segment with you know, Mike Schilt and then the Padres bench and all that um, getting into it was breaking the unwritten rules. Oh, and the Padres are not happy. The Padres are not happy because the Giants had a big lead and somebody bunted for a hit and there was a stolen base attempt at that point. And there are a lot of things involved in this that kind of make me laugh. So keep in mind, a lot of this happened early in the game between the Giants and the Padres, right? We're t- I, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think that I am, the bunt happened when the Giants were up nine runs. I'm sorry, nine to one. But that was the second inning of the game. Are we really supposed to play? Here, here you go. This I'll, I'll just give you the the some of the recounting of this. So, Stephen Duggar, the center fielder for the Giants, stole second base with a nine run lead. And Mauricio Dubon, who's a who's a part time player for the Giants, laid down a bunt for a hit in the sixth inning with his team up nine. But the the stolen base happened earlier in the game. But basically, the Giants were still playing baseball in the middle innings of a game that they were up 10-1. to 1. Now, I understand that in this case, the unwritten rules state that in, in an effort to be respectful to your opponent, you don't pile on, right? That's the idea here. You don't pile on. But my question to you would be, when does that start to happen? Should you should you call off the dogs in the third inning? Should you call them off in the fifth inning? What if you blow the lead? Now, now again, if you blow the lead, you have other things going wrong, right? I mean, things that you should be able to control, like your pitching being bad or whatever. But when is it? Because you, know, you think about it, in a football game, when do we typically talk about somebody running up the score? It's usually not till the fourth quarter, right? Does anybody ever crap on a college football coach for running up as many points as they can in the first half of a game? Not usually. Not unless it's just an, a, a complete and total mismatch, right? Like if it's Alabama against, I don't know who's the smallest school, Akron. Okay, you know what? People would probably be like, okay, Nick, call off the dogs. That's not cool. But even in that game, if it happens, Nobody's going to be telling Alabama to pull their starters in the second quarter. Nobody's going to be saying stop playing football. Now, they, they're going to want you to do more of that as the second half goes along, and it's kind of a sliding scale, right? The deeper you get into the game, the more you call off the dogs. You know, is the third or fourth inning the equivalent of the fourth quarter of a football game? The sixth inning? This is part of the problem with unwritten rules. They're unwritten. There's nothing structural about them. And again, I think the idea behind it is fine. 
you you don't want to try to embarrass your opponent. But keep in mind that one of the tiebreakers that is used in Major League Baseball is your run differential. Well, you're incentivizing teams to, to score more. Now, even if you disagree with the Giants' position on this, and and their manager, Gabe Kapler, basically said, well, too bad, be mad. Here's what he said. He said, we're not trying to run up the score on anybody. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We're not trying to disrespect the game. He said, I'm fully aware of what the sort of unwritten rules are. We just don't think they apply here. We think the most important thing for us is to try to win the series and sometimes even win beyond the series. Oftentimes that means trying to see as many relievers as possible and make as few outs as possible. In other words, if we keep putting up runs and they have to use more of their pitchers, that can be an advantage for us in the rest of the series, which he's right about. So at what point do we stop worrying about people's feelings and start letting teams in in the major like see this is the major this is not youth baseball this isn't high school basketball you know those high school basketball games where one team outscores the other like 110 to 4 like that's stupid but this is the major leagues as tim mccarver always would say it's the big leagues man if you can't throw out the runner that's on you if you can't defend the guy bunning for a hit That's on you. You are major league players. It's not a mismatch. It's two teams at the same level. And I do think that's the difference. I do think you call off the dogs in the physical mismatches in high school and youth sports, college football, college basketball. Hell, even even the major leagues, if you were up like 15 runs. But I do think his point there is great. I mean, look, it's a, it's a strategic advantage for the rest of the series if they have to burn through their pitchers. So why not make them burn through as many as you can? Now, it's kind of pointless now because you have 15 pitchers on every staff here in April. But his greater point, I think, is correct. Now, here's the other part of this story that makes me laugh. Because this this, to me, is the ultimate irony in all of it. The irony to me is that it's the Padres whining about unwritten rules. The Padres. Remember when they they were so defensive when people were mad at Fernando Tatis Jr. for his bat flips and his emotion because of the unwritten rules of the game? Do you think the Padres want to enforce those unwritten rules or they just want to enforce the, the unwritten rules that pissed them off last night? How can you try to have it both ways? Because the Padres wanted none of that criticism when it came to their home run celebrations and their flair and their personality. And remember the whole thing about Tatis hitting the grand slam on a 3-0 pitch and all that and how that was terrible for the game. Even Tony La Russa jumped in on that. How can you be the team that didn't want to be criticized on one hand, but then on the other hand, be the team that's whining about this? How about this for the unwritten rules? There's no crying in baseball. If you're getting your ass whipped, take it and deal with it. All right, we'll come back and close it out next here on KMOX.
All right, time for What's on Deck, sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck. You can find them at chesterfieldfence.com. What's on Deck for the Cardinals is the four-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers coming up this weekend. Uh, and, of course, the one thing that'll be good fortune, the Cardinals aren't going to see Corbin Burns. He's pitching tonight in Baltimore uh, and pitching pretty well, as you would imagine. Uh, but you won't have to see him. You will see Brandon Woodruff tomorrow, Freddie Peralta on Friday, Adrian Hauser on Saturday, and Aaron Ashby will be the pitcher on Sunday. And Ashby's an interesting guy. We haven't You probably saw him a little bit last year working out of the pen for Milwaukee. And he's he's you know he's always been a starting pitching prospect, but they used him in the pen last year because that's where they needed him. And he's a really interesting guy, man. You're talking about a dude with a big arm, good breaking ball. You know he's big. He's kind of like Hater. He's like a big lefty that seems to be coming at you from every angle. So he he could be a challenge um, coming up on Sunday. What'll be interesting to see is what the Cardinals end up deciding to do with Sunday for them. They got Adam Wainwright tomorrow. Uh, they'll have Miles Michaelis on Friday. Uh, you've got Steven Matz on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they have TBD for the moment. Now, originally, Waino was supposed to go today. Michaelis was going to go in game one of the series, followed by Steven Matz and then Jordan Hicks on Saturday and Dakota Hudson on Sunday. Well, the rain screwed that up. So now it's Waino, Michaelis, and Matz. And it'll be interesting to me to see what they do on Sunday do they just push Dakota Hudson back a little bit and let him pitch on Tuesday? I don't think so because that would be Wayno's day. And I think you want to keep Wayno on turn right now. So maybe they do on Sunday in Milwaukee, what they did last night against Kansas city where Hudson's the starter and he goes until they think it's time to take him out. And then at the start of the next full inning, Jordan Hicks comes in and gives you whatever they want him to give them, whether it's an inning or two innings or three or whatever. Um, I think he showed last night, Hicks did, that you know if he's on his game and he's throwing strikes, he can get you three innings. He can get you one time through the order. Left versus right doesn't seem to matter too much with Hicks. Of course, it doesn't seem to matter too much with anybody that throws 100. But, you know, that two-seamer runs away from the lefties. The slider, I mean, I thought it was interesting. He, he made the point last night. Um, that he just needed to throw the slider over the middle of the plate. And I think that's the good point. You know, one of the things that I've heard Tampa Bay Rays pitchers talk about when they get there is that the Rays simplified a game plan for them. Like Tyler Glasnow, I heard him talk about this on MLB Network Radio last year, that when he got to Tampa, they basically said, look, your stuff is so good. Just throw it down the middle. And the natural movement will take it to the edges of the plates to the plate and you know your curveball's so good just throw it down the middle it won't end up there but even if it does it's it's good enough where it's still you're still going to be okay and it eliminated a lot of his control problems and sounded a little bit like what what we were talking about with Hicks last night where look man when you throw a hundred with movement and have a slider you don't have to be nibbling on the corners man you don't have to be painting the black Throw it down the middle and see if they can hit it because it's going to move. It's not going to stay there. And when your stuff's that good, even if it does, you, you survive more often than you don't. We'll look forward to seeing what they say about that. Of course, game one tomorrow, 4-14. Odd time to start. 4-14 first pitch tomorrow. That means we'll be on with the pregame. Uh, I guess that'll be 2-19 or 2-21. I don't know, whatever. Cardinals and Brewers tomorrow afternoon here on KMOX.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.